Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome back to our special Easter week podcast series. It's Tuesday, and Tuesday of Easter week in the Gospels involves a great deal of teaching and direct conflict with the Pharisees. I want to try and capture a few of those stories for us today. Again, looking for the internal world, the internal experience of Jesus as he's moving through this, which is the greatest week in the life, not only of this man, but can we remind ourselves of any man or woman ever in the history of the world? What was that like for him? Remembering that Jesus was not putting on a show when he embraced our humanity, remembering that Jesus experienced real exhaustion, he experienced hunger and thirst, he experienced genuine emotion like anger and sorrow over his people. We move into Tuesday of Easter week, and Luke picks up the story here in chapter 20, One day, as he was teaching the people in the temple courts and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him. Tell us by what authority you are doing these things, they said. Who gave you this authority? And Jesus replied, I will also ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or from men? They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he'll ask, well, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, all the people will stone us because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. And so they answered, we don't know where it came from. And Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. (laughs) One of the things I love about Jesus, just he does not suffer fools lightly. He just doesn't put up with this stuff. And these guys are trying to trap him, right? And he's just so brilliant. Jesus is so brilliant. Did you remember that? Do you kind of keep that in mind as you embrace and search out the trueness of Jesus? He's really, really smart. And not just smart, he is immensely cunning. Because then comes the story of then they try and trap him in paying taxes to Caesar, right? So this is another ploy. And this is all taking place on the same day, maybe even on the same morning. They're just, you know, one angle after another. Okay, so keeping a close watch on him, they sent spies who pretended to be honest. They hoped to catch Jesus in something he said so they might hand him over to the power and authority of the governor. So the spies questioned him, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right and that you do not show partiality, but teach the way of God in all accordance with the truth. Is it right? For us to pay taxes to Caesar or not. I mean, again, these snakes, right? And there's no snake like a religious snake. Jesus saw through their duplicity and said to them, show me a denarius whose portrait and inscription are on it. Caesar's, they replied. And he said to them, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. (laughs) 
It's just so brilliant. It goes on to say they were unable to trap him in what he had said there in public. And astonished by his answer, they became silent. So here you have Jesus now on Tuesday morning, and he's teaching the people. It says he's preaching the gospel. But in the midst of that, he's getting tested, and they're trying to trap him on every side. And just his his brilliance combined with his cunning. You know, he refuses to put up with the religious BS, but at the same time, he won't be trapped into saying things that he doesn't want to say. And so next sentence, then they come in with this whole ridiculous scenario on marriage, right? And so some of the Sadducees come to him, and you probably recall the story of, you know, teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and have children for his brother. Now, there were seven, and they go on with this scenario of, you know, one dies and the next one, the next one, same woman poor gal, you know, and all these guys. And then they're trying to trap him. See, they don't even believe in the resurrection, but they're trying to trap him in this. And they say, so at the resurrection, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? And I just, I just love Jesus's response. He says to them, you do not know the power of God. You do not understand the truth. Okay. And he goes on to say, look, the people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they can no longer die, okay? They are God's children, and they are children of the resurrection. Jesus just kind of shuts them down by saying, look, you don't even understand these things that you're trying to question me on, and then I love it. Apparently, some of these guys are somewhat honest, or at least humble, because they say, well said, teacher, and no one dared to ask him any more questions. Look, have you spent time dealing with bureaucracies, you know, government agencies? Have you spent any amount of time trying to get something done that was very, very important to you? C.S. Lewis thought that hell would be a bureaucracy. I have some acquaintances who were just telling me this story this week of um, their son and daughter trying to adopt, rescue a little boy from a Southeast Asian country. And they traveled there. They'd done all the paperwork. They met the boy. The boy knew them. They'd been writing to him and, you know, showing him pictures. And so this, this boy in this orphanage is just waiting for his family. He's waiting to be redeemed. And, you know, days turned into weeks. They had to go back home and wait. Weeks turned into months, and they couldn't figure out what the problem was. And it was just one bureaucratic thing after another. They hadn't filled out the proper forms, and so they would refill out the forms. And then they explained to them that their fingerprints had expired. How do your fingerprints expire? You know, so they had to go and get new fingerprints. And and finally, what was discovered was that they weren't bribing the bureaucrats and about a thousand dollars in various bribes were needed. And then as soon as they, you know, coughed up the cash, the bureaucrats, you know, in a matter of days, let the boy come to his family. Bureaucracies are infuriating. Bureaucracies are soul killing. And so again, if you think of that in the context of preventing what Jesus is trying to bring, which is life with God, intimacy with God, the hope 
the joy, the love, the goodness of the kingdom, the restoration, all, all that Christ longs to bring to us, longs to bring to the earth. And what you have in the way of that is just this religious bureaucracy, his exasperation. You see in his internal world on Tuesday, exasperation with these people. You also see an internal fortitude that he can't be baited into false controversy. But then again, here in the midst of this, you get this touching thing at the end of Tuesday, as recorded in Matthew in chapter 23. You have what's recorded as the seven woes, and he's he's mad. He's frustrated. He is thoroughly exasperated with these guys. And seven woes, woe to you, teachers of the law, you hypocrites. Woe to you, teachers of the law, you hypocrites. You know, you do not enter. You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. Yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to Again, friends, do you understand how horrible religion is and how pervasive this is in Christianity? Programs, policies, procedures, activities that actually do nothing to rescue people like God rescued this beautiful young girl whose note I read to you about being freed from darkness and healed from brokenness. And he is just ranting, woe to you blind guides, woe to you teachers of the law, you hypocrites. But then at the end of Matthew 23, here is something back to the true internal world of Jesus. What's his heart like in Easter week? What is he going through as he navigates these days? He says this in verse 37, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Did you know that Jesus has longings? Did you know that he still has longings? Jesus is still the same person, friends. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Still a man, still very real. Yes, yes, still the Son of God, raised from the dead. That's coming, of course. But did you know that he still has longings? You see the deep, longing heart of Jesus. All of his frustration and all of his anger, all of his exasperation, it's coming from somewhere. And it's coming from just the deeper heart which is Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How often, he says, I have longed to gather your children together. He longs for us. He longs for you. And Jesus still has longings today as well, friends. It would be a fascinating thing in your own walk with him and in your own prayers this week to say, Jesus, what are you longing for now? What are the things that you're longing for with me. And so Tuesday ends with a pretty sober warning at the end of Matthew 23 when he says, I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And and then he goes on into the very, very sober, sober teaching of Matthew 24 about the end of the age. It's uh, pretty serious stuff, friends. 
wars and rumors of wars, nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, earthquakes, and all these are the beginning of birth pains. I hope you're aware of the reality of that in our world today. You'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. You'll be hated by all nations because of me. He's not saying this to cause fear. He's saying this out of his Jerusalem, Jerusalem heart to strengthen and prepare ours. He says, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. It's almost like he's turned to his followers who are not trying to trap him. They're not trying to trick him. They really want to know. And you understand they thought that Jesus was going to usher in the kingdom now, like this week. We know what Easter week is, so we project all that into this. But they thought that Easter week, that Christ would actually like seize the throne or somehow become king and kick the occupying forces out. And he's trying to explain to them, no, the way I'm going to usher in the kingdom is going to be very different. They still don't understand his coming death and the function of that. But he warns them. He warns them of the difficult, difficult ages that are to come, and particularly now, I believe, our time, my friends, here at the end of all time, and the difficult of this time we live in. And then he's just trying to give us strength of heart to say, but he who stands firm till the end, stand firm, don't lose heart. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that's his heart towards us here on the end of Tuesday in Easter week. I'm John Eldridge, and you've been listening to the Ransomed Heart Podcast.